Welcome to the Theology Mom Podcast, hosted by theologian Krista Bontrager. Each week, Krista provides practical teaching to help everyday Christians gain a deeper understanding of their faith. And now, here's Krista. Happy Monday, everyone, and good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are watching me from around the world. Thank you for joining me for this week's conversation. I am Krista Bontrager. I am a theologian and public apologist, and this is the channel where I offer teaching about the Bible as well as theological commentary on social issues. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I shared an Instagram slide sequence on my Facebook page from the Raising Apologists account, and I believe she's a follower. She occasionally shares our content, and um, she had developed a slide sequence, and I'll just have Bob scroll down here, about Taylor Swift not being a role model for Christian girls. And so I just thought, oh, this is kind of interesting and different, so I clicked the share button. Whoa, I was not prepared for the responses. That string had over 150 comments just on my account. The The original poster, uh, she had to actually shut down her comments for a while because it got so out of control. Who knew that Taylor Swift was a high interest topic among Christian moms? Not me. Um, but there are a lot of people out there with a lot of opinions and they aren't afraid to share them. So I just was thinking, like, maybe I need to do some content on that. Uh, because, you know, when I was a young mom, and believe it or not, there, once upon a time, I was a young mom. I followed Taylor Swift because I was a country music fan. And for five minutes, she was on country music radio. I think she was about 16 years old. And her songs were sort of perky and fun. And I had young kids. And we'd be in the van and be bopping doing the Taylor Swift thing. Um, and, uh, you know, I, there, I sort of enjoyed her music for a little while, but I did not follow her evolution into the pop music sphere. I kind of unhooked from her and then doubled down listening to Johnny Cash. Um, but since then, I have watched, you know, on the newsstands, you know, her string of dysfunctional relationships and the growing legion of almost cult-like fans. It, it really is amazing. And um, I, so I wrote to my friend Amy Davidson over at Mama Bear Apologetics, and I'm like, you know, you're a young mom. What What's going on here? And do you have any opinions about what Taylor Swift is doing? And that kind of led to us trying to put together this conversation now, Amy and I were on the Mama Bear Apologetics podcast back in October, and we did a little conversation together about the rise of the supernatural and the occult and the importance of moms being informed about moms and dads being informed about these issues and having those discipleship conversations with our kids. And I have been doing on my channel for a couple of years now. Uh, a series of on-again, off-again teachings about the supernatural and the normalization of witchcraft and the occult and trying to raise awareness about this because the world that I grew up in, you know, was largely the the world of modernism or naturalism. 
things of the supernatural nature were, when I was growing up in the 70s and 80s, were seen as superstitious and weird. And you didn't really talk about that in polite company. These days, you know, talking about the supernatural is something that middle school girls do on the regular. And so it is important for parents to be thinking about how to disciple our kids about the spirit realm. And so you can go back and check out those conversations. They're all on my channel and look for the playlist on on the supernatural. So today I've asked Amy to come on and help me have a frank conversation about the continued kind of, I'm going to keep calling it normalization of dark images and themes, possibly even on-ramping young people into occultic images and symbolism. And that this is out there in the entertainment industry. And to try to help equip you better as a parent, a child influencer, a kid men pastor, youth pastor, to think more carefully about these issues and how to analyze a particular situation to see if there's a real problem or if people are just sort of being a little overly dramatic. So let's let's talk about it. And and we'll we'll talk about Taylor Swift in earnest as kind of a test case for what's happening out there. Um, we're not saying that she's the only one out there, but we're going to look at her as a kind of a, a case study of some themes and images that we're seeing more and more in the entertainment realm, particularly in the music realm and music video realm. And with that, I want to welcome Amy to the Theology Mom podcast. Welcome, Amy. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Krista. I'm so glad that we can do this. And maybe let's begin by providing some context about who you are, your background. I know that you were kind of, I think, Wicca adjacent, shall we say. Um, maybe give us a, a, a kind of the two-minute overview of your story. Yeah. So I never expected to be in apologetics. That was something that God led me to. And what's, what's neat about my background is for a time, uh, I actually dabbled in Wicca as a high school student. What led me to do that was a Christian who was just completely vile to me during school years. And I thought, well, if that's what Christianity is, then I don't want any part of it. And the people who were accepting were my Wiccan friends. And so they made a lot of logical arguments that sounded good. They sounded, uh, they sounded solid on the validity of Wicca. And so I pursued it for a year and God brought me out of it. He was so faithful in the midst of it. And I ended up being baptized right before going off to basic training for the Air Force and has have since dedicated my life to following Christ and really understanding the why behind these questions of the faith, because without these answers, that's why I walked away. And so it's been fascinating. You know, as you mentioned, we uh, we recorded that podcast in October on the occult. And it's interesting how, you know, that was where in the era's tour was really getting its start was during last year, the fall tour. And now we're seeing all this imagery come about. So it's amazing how God worked all his timing to where we're able to discuss this right in the midst of how we're seeing it affect our kids. Yeah, that's really good. And it's interesting to me that it almost sounds like you had Wiccan apologists in your life that were trying to make the case for Wicca. I mean, when you're describing them as having good reasons, and I think that's an important point that 
people can be an apologist for their worldview, no matter what their worldview is. They don't have yep. to necessarily just be Christians. Yeah, absolutely. And they did. And their, their arguments sounded good. You know, one of them specifically was, well, you know, Wicca predates Christianity. And mm. if Wicca is a part of your heritage, which I am Scottish, so Druid, Druidism and all of that is anchored within ancient Celtic worship. They said, well, that's actually more authentic to who you are to pursue after that. And while that's logically valid, meaning it's formatted correctly as a logical argument goes, it's unsound. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't follow. It doesn't make sense. It isn't true. And so, but I didn't realize that as a 16, 17 year old kid, I just just saw, wow, the Wiccans are nice to me and the Christians are complete jerks. So why don't I look into this Wicca thing more, uh, more closely? And it really appealed to parts of me that already I had these loves. Like I loved being out in nature. I loved uh, gardening and, and herbs and that sort of thing. So it really played into these things that are good, it hyper-focused on the worship of creation while denying the existence of the creator and instead devoted this worship into the creation itself. What an interesting argument, because it is very similar to arguments that Monique and I hear in ministry from African-Americans, and they'll make a case like, well, Christianity is a white man's religion. If you really want to yeah. be most authentic to your African background, you should get in touch with African spiritualism, which right. is really just a version of witchcraft in in many cases. And so this appeal then for the younger generation as they're searching for their identity, you know, what is my religious identity? Maybe going back in time to my quote unquote ancestors, um, maybe their religion. That that's a very interesting argument. I can I can kind of see the appeal of that. So, you know, there's a lot of commenters. They enjoy Swift's music. Many of them yeah. came on my Facebook page and said, I like her music. I like her songs. And I don't think that it's a controversial position to say she has a very powerful influence among young fans and even millennial moms. And I think you make a good point. You know, it's yes, she is very entertaining and that's part of the allure. So we have to be very careful that we don't allow the the beauty of something, the poppy, the catchiness mm. of it, because her music is incredibly catchy. We can't allow that to blind us to the truth. And that's some of the ways that Satan's most effective and why Taylor's music, I think, is so catchy because she's able to play into the emotion and form relationships with the, her fans. And then from there, there is this this push toward activism. But because so many of our fans have kind of been lulled into this sort of emotional reaction that they fail to think critically about what she's asking or promoting for them to do. Wow, that's such a good point. So we're not here to debate that or arbitrate that or talk about her talent. Like that's that's not what this is or that her music might be enjoyable. That That's not what we're talking about today. We just have a very simple goal. Our goal is simply to try to probe the question and get better understanding into some of the symbolism surrounding witchcraft and maybe how she might be romanticizing it to her huge fan base and to think about um, how to detect when this is happening and then to ask the question, how should Christian parents respond to all of this? 
Uh, I just pulled a couple of random tweets about her, about people's concerns about her dark images and Mm -hmm. asking questions about witchcraft. And these are just random tweets. I don't know these people. (laughs) So, but random guy number one says, you know, Taylor Swift is a satanic priestess who's casting literal spells on people at her concerts at what he calls worship rituals. Um, So that's an accusation. That's a claim. And that that is definitely that sentiment is definitely out there. Here's another one. Um, You know, someone I says, I don't like Taylor Swift, but, um, you know, I just saw a video of hers and she's obviously promoting witchcraft and ritual performance. And even the mainstream media, there was this write up in the Daily Mail that I found, you know, that. Taylor Swift, to some degree, is acknowledging that people are making these allegations. One thing that we have to be careful of when we are engaging this topic specifically is, for one, recognizing the power and influence of her fan base and also understanding how we convey the truth of the gospel. Our approach is important. In fact, when we look at scripture, when Jesus was dealing with unbelievers, he never came out the gate hypothetical guns blazing, tearing people down. You know, instead, he met them where they were at. He affirmed their humanity. He empathized with their very real emotions. But then he pointed out, okay, wait a second, what you're saying, what your conclusions are, what you are feeling, you're seeking an answer in a in a solution that is not found apart from me. And so he, and and that's where I'm seeing in some of these posts, especially that first one, okay, y'all, she's a satanic priestess. She's conducting these rituals at these worship services. You know, there's truth in what he's saying, but the approach in which he's going at it is going to turn people away instantly to where that truth, they're not even going to hear it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps one of the best examples I've ever heard toward evangelism is, you know, if you were walking down the street and somebody ran up to you and was shrieking, you're going to die, you're going to die, you have to take this pill or you're going to die. You would shove the guy away and think he was a nutcase. But then if another person walked up to you, got to know you, you know, you're chatting about maybe your favorite sports teams or your show or whatever, and then that person just starts sharing, you know, last year I had this really weird thing come up. I started having these symptoms. And, you know, eventually I went to the doctor and the doctor looked at my symptoms and wait a second, what you have is actually a highly fatal disease. If you don't get treatment, you will succumb to this disease. And he said, but there is a way to fix it. It's actually really simple. You just take this pill. You're going to be good to go and you're going to be healed. Now, encountering the second person, you know, you're going to be more receptive to that information. You're going to start recognizing, wait a second, the symptoms that I'm going through are the same ones that he went through. Can I please have the number to that doctor you spoke to? So whenever we're engaging, especially a highly popular artist like Taylor Swift, we have to make sure that our approach is accessible while never compromising truth. So our approach in with this podcast is just let's look at the evidence, let's see what's going on, and let's yeah. draw these conclusions. And so the receipts that you were mentioning, okay, what are what are these claims toward witchcraft? This has actually been, she's been putting this out there since 2017. And so Taylor Swift went on a brief hiatus after suffering a complete public teardown motivated by Kim Kardashian and Cayenne West. They recorded her in a phone conversation that, you know, made it seem like she knew about some lyrics that Cayenne was or Kanye, I'm sorry, I always mess up his name. Kanye was uh, singing and it made it sound like she knew about the lyrics that he was referencing her. But then in the public eye, she said, I didn't know this was happening. And so when Kim released that, 
Taylor looked like she was two-faced. In fact, that's what they accused her of. Oh, you're two-faced. You're a snake. You're a narcissist. And so she pulled out of the public sphere for a while because, you know, she was struggling with anxiety, depression. It was a really toxic thing. And so when she came back into the public sphere with her release of Reputation, um, one of the things she did was sort of like Batman taking on a bat as a symbol of empowerment and everything. It was something that scared him. He now absorbed that into his identity. That's what Taylor Swift did with a lot of these claims. So that's why we see in her Reputations album so many, so much symbolism involving snakes. I mean, and it looks demonic. Um, I believe it's her song, uh, I Did a Bad Thing, to where she is dancing with all of these snakes. There's fire cans, the 2018 Grammy performance. I mean, you just watch that and you're like, oh my gosh, this looks like she's filming a music video within the pits of hell. And it's justifiably so because of the symbolism behind it. And one of the things she incorporated within uh, Ready or Not, it's her music video, Ready or Not, you see her walking up these stairs and there's this statement that says, uh, burn all the witches, I believe is how she phrased it. And so what Taylor loves to do in her music is she loves to put in Easter eggs. She loves symbolism. She loves incorporating numerology because that's how she brings in her fans. She puts these things in here so that way her fans can dive in, create theories, and it involves this, it cultivates this community. And so she's been laying the groundwork for this, which is she she had that in Ready or Not, and then I did a bad thing. She makes the reference, they're burning witches even if you aren't one, and they're doing it just for fun. And so she's gesturing to herself during the Grammys performance, uh, especially during the part where even if you're not one. So she's saying, I'm not a witch, but they're burning me as if I am one. And so she sort of embodies this symbolic caricature of a witch within her music and that's where we get what is getting the biggest pushback now in the the era's concert specifically with her song willow in one of the scenes the the music video it's all of her traveling and following this golden thread that connects her with her lover and she's traveling through these different time portals to try and find him and so in one scene she steps out it's like this 1920s almost looks like a circus or a bar and she's in this glass cage and she dressed in all white and she's got flowers in her hair and she's playing her guitar and she realizes she's trapped within this box and the only way out for her to try and uh, get to her lover is a trap door at the bottom of the stage and she goes through this dark tunnel when she comes out of this dark tunnel she is dressed very similar similarly to her character in ready or not in 2017 to where she's got this cloak this very empowered look on her face and the symbolism with ready or not was that she was this cyborg it's a misrepresentation of her character so now we see her again embodying this hey this is a misrepresentation of my character but now it's a misrepresentation in the accusation that i'm a witch and she thus dances with these witches in the middle of a snowy forest and then leaves then to follow her uh, her lover. And so that's where a lot of these um, charges are coming from is because of what's displayed in the musical dance. It looks like a Wiccan ceremony or witch ceremony. And that's how she titles it. Even her releases, she's got multiple releases of the song. There's like Lonely Witch, Dancing Witch, and Moonlit Witch, all with different amounts of instrumentals and types of vocals in it. And so that's she's embracing this witch aesthetic within her music. She is a highly creative person. And I would say uh, engages in a form of performance art and is a master at it. The question is, yeah. 
how to interpret all of the symbolism and whether she's kind of trolling her trolls or mm -hmm. whether this is actually a persona or a part of her own personal belief and practice. She's definitely using symbolism of witchcraft. The question is, is, is that a reflection of her own personal beliefs? She's a little cagey yeah. ar ar around that. Um, what do we know about Taylor Swift's spiritual background, per se? Do, are, has she made any public statements about that? Yeah, she has. And you know what? Honestly, when you think of her her caginess, as you put it, with her beliefs, from a marketing standpoint, that's smart. Because when you put yourself in, when you pigeonhole yourself, well, then you're kind of stuck there. So mm -hmm. keeping it more ambiguous, uh, that means that there's more flexibility for change, which is why Taylor is so popular, is because she's constantly reinventing herself. But she has made some claims in the past of being a Christian. So in 2007, she released a Christmas song. Uh, the, she was actually denouncing the commercialism of Christmas and saying there's there's something special, there's something holy regarding Christmas, and it's because of Jesus and how he died and saved our lives. So in 2007, we have what sounds like a profession of faith of, look, this is about Jesus. And then in 2020, she did a, I believe it was a Netflix interview on Miss Americana is what it was titled, to where she says, look, I'm a Christian. But as another podcaster pointed out, her profession of Christianity was directly tied to a political statement. Yeah. And so always, whenever you have someone who's making a, a claim of Christianity, what we're always called to do, even within scripture, is wait, you know them by their fruits. And I think that's one thing a lot of Christian parents are defending. It's, wait a second, look, she did say she was a Christian. Yeah, you know what she did, but what is she actually doing? And I think that's where we need to look into what is the worldview of Taylor Swift? And when you look at her music, when you look at her actions, when you look at what she's promoting among her fan base, they are counter scripture. So, I mean, she uh, is a hyper feminist. She attacks any form of male patriarchy, you know, tear that down. She is a huge advocate for LGBTQ ideology and encourages her fan base to be allies. She denounced comedians, uh, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, they were just poking a little bit of, I mean, they're comedians, right? That's what they do. They poke fun. So they poked fun at some of her dating practices. And she made a quote referencing, there's a special place in hell for women who don't support other women. So this sort of blind support of women without ever asking the question, wait a second, what is that woman actually advocating for? She is a staunch abortion advocate. Um, she sings about and praises karma. She said in multiple interviews, as well as her songs, that karma is real. And in her song, Karma, she refers to karma being a god. So if you were just to take Taylor out of it and just say, okay, look at, here's a person and this is what they're claiming. Would you, do, is this consistent with the Christian worldview? And you would say, absolutely not. But the second you say, oh, actually, that's Taylor Swift. Well, then people start backpedaling. Oh, no, no, you know, not Taylor. She's so cute. She's sweet. They make, you know, friendship bracelets and swap them at at concerts. And, you know, she's just adorable. And wait a second, you know, we are told that Satan is masked as an angel of light. And so very, very false worldview, very demonic practices, lies of the enemy can be packaged in a very attractive manner. And I think you're seeing that a lot with Taylor Swift. That's some really good analysis. I like your kind of worldview approach 
to what she's doing. If I just take her name out of it and I just look at the beliefs, what kind of worldview do do I arrive at? And it's definitely not going to be historic Christianity. Um, okay, so we've kind of looked at some of the data and now maybe we can start to assess the claim, you know, is she actively practicing witchcraft? Um, or is she just trying to make it look attractive to her fans? Is she not technically engaging in witchcraft herself, but maybe just using that as an apparatus for storytelling and symbolism and messaging? And so I guess I'm just curious with your knowledge of Wicca and all of the research that you've done in the occult, what do you make of her? Like, do you think that she's a witch? Because that's the claim that's out there. I know, right? It almost sounds like a Monty Python sketch when you, <laughs> when you ask. And so there's a fine line uh, on whether or not something is actual witchcraft or, you know, just sort of this... Um, implicit, oh, I'm I'm basically playing a part almost, you know, would you accuse someone, a, an actor in Macbeth, who was playing one of the roles of the witches of actual witchcraft, she's actually being a witch, you know, there's this fine line here. And it comes a lot with intentionality. So Teen Vogue, uh, which I do not recommend uh, teens to subscribe to because they constantly promote witchcraft uh, within Teen Vogue. One of the articles that I found fascinating was talking about, oh, well, how do you know you're a witch? Well, do you enjoy cleaning? Well, actually, that's a practice of witchcraft. It's a cleansing spell when you're cleaning. Or do you like lighting candles and having bath salts in your bath as you are just relaxing? Well, you know, that's also a form of a spell and everything. And I'm like, dang, I am a witch in so many ways because I like having my house tidy and I love me some bath salts, but there's a difference, right? There's intentionality. And so from what it seems like with looking at Taylor's background and so much of her symbolism from pulling in from life experiences is she is taking on a caricature of a witch, which in uh, some of her music videos that she she actually displays all these different versions of Taylor. And so it seems like she's been laying the groundwork since 2017 to now have the witch version of Taylor. And that's, again, the sort of empowerment move of what she's doing. And so that's why she's bringing it on stage. There's some things that make me think that she does not actually believe that she is a witch. Again, it references to her actively saying, no, I'm not. And then her uh, wearing of the cloak, again, is a reference to sort of these false accusations of who she is. She loves to embrace the, what people call her as a form of power. And so she's displaying it. But there is also uh, this balance here, too, because she reflects on Willow. She goes uh, in one of her tweets that Willow feels like a spell because, you know, you're you're calling out for your lover. And you know what? Yes, actually, within witchcraft, there's manifesting. There is uh, meditating to try and bring something about that can be actually a way of casting a spell, especially with regards to love spells. Teen Vogue did a whole article on how to cast love spells. And one of them was in the morning, you meditate on what you want. And you're kind of putting out those vibes into the universe to bring your lover to you. So she's rightly acknowledging that, yes, there are some very occultic ways of using this form of manifestation through music. And music is all throughout uh, any sort of religion's worship practice. You know, you have music to get people to a certain state. And she is recognizing that this is actually occurring. Now, what this is doing is young girls are seeing this and thinking, wait a second. 
Taylor Swift is uh, putting out these witchy vibes. You know, she did one tweet where she goes, oh, have you ever uh, waited for the signal, like somebody signaling you at night and you sneak out and you go into the forest and stumble upon this majestic coven of witches? She's like, yeah, me neither. But this song is going to make you feel that way. And this is going to seem like this. So she's promoting this wicked, this occultic aesthetic and romanticizing it. Oh, this is going to give you all the feels. But the problem is that a lot of girls and women listening are like, man, I want these feels. Well, how else can I get them? Well, let me start actually looking into witches and the occult. And you know what'll really up those feelings? If now I start incorporating crystals and burning uh, incense and, and then it can very quickly spiral. In fact, that's one of the ways that I fell into Wicca myself. It wasn't only because of this gal's testimony, it was also reinforced by something as innocuous as a Disney movie. I mean, there's a movie called Halloween Town that came out when I was a kid, and the grandma who was a witch gave the granddaughter who was my age a cloak, and the girl put the cloak on, and she goes, wow, this is awesome. I'm a Wiccan. And in my head, I go, oh, wait a second. This is Disney. Disney just mentioned Wicca. Well, it's it's a company for kids. They're never going to tell me anything that's bad because they'd never tell kids bad things. So it's okay for me to look into Wicca because Disney said so. And I mean, that was just that was just Disney. Disney does not have the influence that Taylor Swift has on her on her tribe, on her Swifties. And I mean, you know, we mentioned just briefly here about the the worldview of Taylor Swift. I actually think that some of these charges that Taylor Swift is a witch is actually a bit of a red herring. Uh, to get us to focus on something that isn't exactly the case. What actually I think is the case is Taylor Swift isn't necessarily a witch. Instead, she is basically a form of a pastor of her own religion. It's the Church of Swift because everything that she is promoting within her music to include her activism on stage for political movements, this is actually, these are worldview claims. You know, they are answering who we are as people. What is truth and morality? What's human history? What is sin? What happens to us after we die? These are all worldview worldview claims that she is promoting. And, you know, when you start looking at the numbers, 53% of U.S. population says they're fans of Taylor Swift. 16% says they are avid fans. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. 16% of Americans, is that what you said? Yes. Are avid fans of Taylor Swift? Avid fans of Taylor Swift. They've got the posters. They've got the shirts. They know all of her cat's names, you know, all of the fandom that's there. Um, but it's even it's even bigger than that because there this is worship service. I mean, her there is article after article referring to the concerts of Taylor Swift as a as a form of church service. In fact, one of her chants that if you're a Swifty, you know all the chants to yell, especially at the Eras tour. One of the chants is not only within the willow, is summon the demons. I won't attach the other word at the end of it that you're supposed to yell, but another one during one of her songs, you're supposed to yell, take me to church. And so there is this constant look. This is like a religious service. There is this active form of worshiping and following. And when you look at just the stats, 16% fall into this Swifty category. So 42% of America is Protestant. 20% is Catholic. You know what the number three most biggest religion in the U.S. is? The Church of Swift. They out. They actually outpace the Mormons in their numbers and their fan base. And you know, some people think, "Oh no, this is just for fun." Well, when you actually look up, what does it take to be a Swifty? It's actually a a praise and a worldview statement. Let me bring it up on my phone here. Um, it says to to be a Swifty, it means that you find a sense of belonging and support. So we're talking community and fellowship. You find friendship among like minded fans who understand the power of Taylor's music to heal, to inspire, and to empower. 
So now you're talking about a gal who is leading millions upon millions of U.S. population who's advocating for feminist empowerment, taking down of men, belittling men, uh, furthering abortion rights, LGBTQ ideology. She told her voters, she did a tweet, hey, you guys need to vote. The very next day, 35,000 people registered to vote, not because they had spent, you know, weeks beforehand thinking, you know, I really need to exercise my voting rights. No, no, they voted purely because she told them to. So this woman has that much influence on that me- that big of amount of people. And to the extent to where the, the Swifty culture is almost like its own entity. Like when she sings breakup songs, she has to warn her fans before she sings them, hey, please don't go on social media and absolutely tear them apart because that's what they do. The Swifty is like an entity that she barely has control over. They'll do what she says and they'll actually do what she doesn't say if they think it's a way of defending her. So this truly is is an act of worship. And that's where people are like, oh, she's a witch. No, 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 you're missing it. It's not that she's a witch. It's that she is actually a pastor of the third biggest religion in the United States. And it's directly impacting millennials because she's a millennial and Gen Z on their political, their theological, their perceptions of truth. And it's highly activated. I had no idea that, you know, that that number just kind of, I'm still meditating on that. Okay. Oh, gosh. And it's growing. I mean, I have so many thoughts. First of all, feminist Mm -hmm. women empowerment. Yes. I know that there are some connections between female empowerment and witchcraft. You've kind of alluded to that a couple of times. Maybe you can bring that out a little bit more because I think it's an open question whether or Mm -hmm. not Taylor Swift herself is a witch. I understand it. You're trying to take a more conservative, charitable per- perspective. I think it's an open question. It wouldn't surprise me if at some point we find out she's a she's a practicing witch. I don't know. I completely agree. And I mean, when you look at Matthew 12, 30, it says, whoever is not with me is against me. Whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so when you think of that, wait a second, isn't you know, she falls completely into that category. So whatever you call it, whether it's a pastor, a priestess, a witch, she's actively leading people astray. Yeah. Okay. So with that in mind, if we just look at it worldviewishly, thinking about feminism, Mm -hmm. what is the connection, make it a little bit more plain, between feminism, female empowerment, and witchcraft? I mean, feminism or witchcraft is highly popular and it's it's deeply rooted in, within feminists because it's all about finding the power within you. It's very much focused on women. You know, there's this empowerment. In fact, there's even an acronym which uh, is alleged to stand for woman in total control of herself. And in fact, a lot of times it's alleged that, you know, if a man wants to take a woman down, he'll just accuse her of being a witch because he can't handle the fact that she's taking charge of her own life. She doesn't need a guy. She's being empowered. She's going out and getting what she wants, which is why, you know, Taylor perhaps is embracing this aesthetic because here she is one of the most powerful artists, not just female artists, but just artists in general. And she's taking on this image because now we have people, she has people accusing her of this witchcraft. So it's heavily rooted in there. In fact, one thing that uh, they've even noticed within deconstruction is oftentimes if someone is raised within a a very conservative, um, I would say it's handled badly, 
they will often deconstruct their faith. And one of the uh, religions that they go to is Wicca, because what it does is it speaks into that feminist empowerment, yeah. that allure, that control. I mean, that's one of the things that drew me to Wicca was here I am this you know nerdy kid who's bullied all the time. Wait a second. Now there's a religion that offers me power. And now I can have control, direct control and bend uh, something to the to my will. I mean, that is deeply alluring. And so especially when you have a woman who's saying, oh, you know, this song is like a love spell. And in fact, she, oh, it's great watching you guys cast spells, you know, sing passionately and try and project your will into the universe. I mean, that coincides with Taylor Swift's worldview and even is rooted in aspects of karma as well. Yeah. I mean, that's true in the African-American community as well. Um, There is not an insignificant number, particularly of African-American women, if they deconstruct away from Christianity, will drift into African spiritualism. And so that that's not uncommon in that community either. Yeah. So that, that makes sense to me. But okay, so if we're, even if we just set aside the claim for a minute that yeah. Taylor Swift is a witch, we're just mm-hmm. looking at it worldviewishly. Mm-hmm. She is actively promoting ideas and practices that are highly demonic. I mean, yes. the, the the social political positions that she puts forward, this extreme female empowerment idea, making reference to spell casting and, and mm-hmm. all of that. I want to go back to the concerts, okay? Because some people are claiming it's almost like a worship experience, your analogy to her being a pastor is highly interesting to me. I have many thoughts about that. But there's also this claim that people go to her concerts and they can't even remember the experience. Like they spend thousands of dollars and then experience this weird group amnesia. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was a big write-up in Time Magazine about it not that long ago of you know, trying to explain this from a psychological perspective. And basically, the gist of the article is, is, well, you're just overly excited. And that's why you can't remember it. I don't know. I I was a young woman once. I got awfully excited about going to the Amy Grant concert. (laughs) And I went to quite a few of them. And I can remember them. I don't hear other other artists having this problem where super fans go to their their events and then can't remember being there this seems weird to me oh my gosh it is super weird and you know it's funny because i was reading i was reading various posts to where gals were saying okay my bank account says i was at the taylor swift concert but i can't remember it or you know one gal was saying if my friend didn't show me pictures of me standing and singing and and everything along with this song i would have no idea that she actually sang this song i would actually deny it because they have no recollection and yes there there have been naturalistic explanations that have been offered basically it's like overloading a circuit and it blows diffuse. That's what's happening with a lot of these fans because they are so enchanted with Taylor Swift. They're so focused on her that they basically just go into overload. Their brains are completely flooded and they black out and they don't remember actually being there. So yes, there can be a naturalistic explanation. You get too excited, too hyper, brain can't handle it. Okay, we're just going to black out to preserve ourselves there. However, 
there's also a very real spiritual aspect as well because it is her concerts are constantly called churches it's uh you know the the acts that you perform within it there's chants there is rituals it is called the church of swift i mean you see it's too it's happening too often to be dispensed with as oh this is just some random thing that's being said no everything that's going on within these concerts is like a church service and there have been christians that have gone to her concert before and they said i had to leave because there was such this presence within this concert that it, it did not feel right i had to leave the concert and so there is spiritual things going on but actually it isn't just reserved to taylor swift so what's fascinating is beyonce she would actually go through something very similar to where she would testify. And it was interesting because I was reading, I think it was on Vibe that I was uh, reading it and they had actually deleted the article. I tried to click the link to see where she actually said this specifically and they had deleted it. Um, but she actually says that there are times where she goes on stage and she basically has goes into this trance. She's got this mm -hmm. alter ego that's... Yeah. Um, Sasha Fierce yep. and to where she can't remember what's going on. Yep. And so here we're just like, oh, well, maybe she's just in the zone. Maybe this is an extreme case of method acting or this is a case of demonic oppression because what are we seeing consistent throughout all of these? It is a counter gospel that is being sung. There are acts of worship that are going on. There's relishing of this worship. This is a, a ritualistic situation that people are going into. So when they have these blackouts, could it be that they're overstimulated? Yes. But could it also be that there is demonic activity going on within these concerts? 100%. Yeah. And if people want to know more about it, the Beyonce side of the conversation, my ministry partner, Monique Dusan, on her podcast, Off Code, they did a whole thing about that topic. And um I think that it's interesting to compare Beyonce and Taylor Swift because in the black community, um, Beyonce has a lot of sway, but there is there's definitely demonic things happening there. And so it it is a little bit of an interesting comparison. But I will say this that okay, this is not necessarily Amy's point of view. So don't dogpile on Amy. This is my opinion. But when I worked in deliverance ministry, if I had somebody who came to me and said that they went in and they went somewhere and they had, you know, no memory of a yeah. particular major issue or place or event that they went to or whenever they got around a certain person, they had amnesia, that would be a signal to me as somebody who's experienced in deliverance ministry, that something demonic is happening here. Absolutely. And in some cases, it might be a type of spiritual trauma that's happening and that we have to inquire about. Now, I don't know what's happening at these Taylor Swift concerts, but something's happening in the spirit yeah. realm. And this is not normal. So I'm going back to... Amy, your comment earlier of, you know, Taylor Swift being like a pastor, that's a very interesting way of thinking about it. 
And I mean, Satan works through all different sorts of vessels. He is going to lead people astray. And, you know, in Taylor Swift, she's basically using witchcraft and some of her music, this symbolism and thing, that's a tool to lead people astray in sort of this Pied Piper fashion. And so, I mean, when you look at the fandom, when you look at what you're supposed to do, what you are believed, what she's advocating, I mean, this is very much like a religious leader speaking into her group. And I mean, she's got her Swifties, Beyonce has her hive, and people will blindly follow what they say. I mean, Beyonce made an off reference to OnlyFans one time in one of her songs and her followers said, oh, now I need to make an OnlyFans account. And same with Taylor, you know, when she does something or when she goes through a breakup, well, now she has this whole army of online activists that will go and defend her. And I mean, this is very much, this is very cult-like leadership that we see going on. Are they going to come for us, Amy? <laughs> they might. They might. We might okay. get ambushed by a bunch of very perky 13-year-olds. no idea. Okay. This all makes me think about Christian parents because many of the comments of people who came on my social media were not interacting about any of the issues that we're bringing up today. They right. were talking about her artistic expression, her artistry, her her great music, how much her her music provides like a bridge like between mom and daughter. Like yes. you know, they're they're really thinking about it in this very lighthearted way. Mm -hmm. And or they'll say things like, Well, I'm a fan of but I don't let my girls listen or whatever. Mm -hmm. But they aren't thinking I, I didn't hear not very many voices showed up, let's say, to the conversation that was happening on my social media where the issue of witchcraft came up. There were a couple of people who said, I'm concerned about witchcraft, but it was really nonspecific. Right. The things that you're raising, I'm thinking, oh, this is this is a problem. Like yeah. this is a bigger problem than I even had had thought about before we started the conversation. So that makes me wonder, like, how do you think Christian parents should respond to Taylor Swift, should we, they let their girls be Swifties? Should they pay thousands of dollars for them to go to their to go to the concerts? Um, like, what thoughts do you have about that from a Christian parenting perspective? Well, I love that you pointed out that, you know, when when the moms were coming to the defense, they were pointing out all things that are good in and of themselves, like music, a poppy tune is not a bad thing. You know, wanting to have uh, a fellowship with your daughter, especially as you're going through the teenage years. I mean, yeah. I, my daughter's three months old and I'm already like, oh, Lord, help us help our, our foundation be strong through those tumptuous uh, teenage years. And so... Um, these are all things that are are good to desire, good community with your daughter, community with her friends. One comment I read is, well, you know, this is just her, my, my daughter and her friends were able to connect over something. She was new in the school. So, okay, community, community is good. Fellowship with your daughter is good. Uh, poppy music, those, those are good things. However, what are the messages behind that that's being communicated? That's where the problem is. And I think in some regards, there can even be maybe some of the pushback that's happening is because a little bit of mommy guilt because, oh, I found something that me and my daughter can now share together. And you're saying that it's bad and that I helped 
facilitate and nurture this, there, you know, there's going to be a bit of pushback that comes back from that. But where we need to be uh, in all humility, come to Christ and be like, okay, wait a second, let me push everything aside, how catchy her music is, because it is really catchy. And even just doing this research, I've got like eight of her songs that bounce around my head. You know, it is really poppy stuff, but what is actually being taught? And I think, I think that's what's important. And that's where we as parents, we need to have more of that worldview approach. So Summit Ministries is a great apologetic ministry for teenagers. One thing that was mentioned was that only 4% of Christian teens have a biblical worldview, meaning they they actually know what it is, the question's being answered, and they know a biblical worldview. That means 96% of Christians have no idea what a worldview is, how to live it out, whatever. And when you don't have that in place, when you don't have that firm foundation of faith, well, then you are going to succumb to all sorts of worldly teachings. I mean, we are told to guard our hearts uh, for a reason, because what we dwell on, what we what we worship, what we focus on is what our mind is going to go to in times of trouble. And one thing that's said over and over, uh, a lot of the praise for Taylor Swift is, oh, her music's helped me get through this trauma. Her music's helped me get through this breakup and everything. And wait a second, it's, it's now this secular song promoting revenge or sleeping around or drunkenness. Now that is actually soothing a hurt that actually we need to be going to scripture for. So that's where things are, are deeply problematic. So I think for for Christian parents, what we need to be doing is cultivating our child's discernment. And we do this within Mama Bear is, okay, what is actually being sung about in the message? What are they advocating for? What are they praising? What are they vilifying? What are they saying that you have to do? And are these things consistent with the biblical worldview? And we need to do that in a way to where we're not freaking out. I mean, the last thing we want to do is look like Bobby Boucher's mom when we're handling this, because what that does when we say, oh, it's the devil, it's the devil, it's the devil, like coming out the gate, freaking out like that. We signal to our kid, mom's going to have a meltdown if I bring this up or if I listen to this or whatever. So I'm, I'm going to hide it because kids are good at hiding things. Teens are excellent at hiding things. And what we want to do is open dialogue. So if I can use an example from my own life, um, my son, uh, about two years ago, came home off the school bus and he was singing these songs, call me by your name, call me by your name, catchy lyrics. And my husband and I had heard him singing it. And we actually knew that the song was uh, one of Little Nas's song, who is a a very uh, overt and he, he's very public about you know Satanism and that sort of thing. Um, we knew that was one of his songs, and that song specifically is about engaging in in homosexual lust. The music video is him uh, dressed as Eve. He has an illicit relationship with Snake in the Garden of Eden, and he's bumping and grinding as he's descending into hell, where he and Satan have a sexual experience on the throne of hell. My 10-year-old had no idea that's what that song was about. So rather than freak out and, you know, oh, you're never going on the school bus again and you're never interacting with other tiny human beings, you know, we said, hey, buddy, what are you singing? Oh, it's this catchy song that I heard. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the beat on that is catchy. Do you know what that song is about? No, he said. Okay, here's what it's about. And what we did is we we read the lyrics, um, we tailored our approach and the content, of course, to to his age. He was only 10, so we didn't get overly graphic, but we let him know the reality enough that, baby, this is what you're singing. And his eyes got really big and he goes, whoa, I'm not going to sing that anymore. I'm like, awesome choice, buddy. And so when taking that approach, what you do is you cultivate your child's discernment meter. So now when they are interacting with worldview statements, which are what her songs are, they are claims about reality. When they're listening to that, all of a sudden they've got this sensor that goes off says, well, wait a second, she's singing about karma here. And in fact, the music video has all sorts of tarot card references. 
Is, is that true? Is that good? Is that morally accurate? Is that what karma is? Is karma a god? And then what they start doing is actually interacting with the worldview claims within the music. And then from there, it may, it's making them, it's nurturing that accountability. Holy Spirit can work through that. So, you know, for some parents, it's okay, do I need to, you know, block all of Taylor Swift from their streaming services and, you know, burn the sweatshirts, you know, in the backyard, that sort of thing. Actually, I think what would be more beneficial is first stop, acknowledge what's going on, acknowledge what she's talking about and have discussions with your daughter. Hey, baby, do you see what she's advocating? Is that actually consistent with what we believe about the sanctity of human life? And what you can have are then amazing flourishing ministry opportunities to take what she's putting out there and evaluate it and help your child know how to interact within the world because we're called to be in it, not of it. And how we do that is by strengthening their discernment and their ability to wield the armor of God. This has been even a better conversation than I was anticipating. Thank you for bringing such great content. Tell um, our friends about the work that you're doing at Mama Bear Apologetics and how they can follow what you guys are up to. Absolutely. So Mama Bear Apologetics, you can find us at mamabearapologetics.com. We are also on Instagram and Facebook. And so we are a ministry that is dedicated to equipping parents to raise up warriors in the faith. And so we do that by analyzing culture, by bringing up challenges uh, regarding apologetic topics to help you better articulate your faith. So that way you can pass down a a legacy of faith to your kids. And we do that through blogs, podcasts. We've got an audio apologetic blog. We travel the country and speak at different churches. So we are here to help you the best way possible to build up your church and your family. So that way you have those firm foundations of faith, because when the attacks of the world come, you will then be able to meet them head on through the power of Christ. Very good. And I look forward to um, being really BFFs with you now that the Swifties are all going to come for us after this conversation. I know, I know. But gosh, you know, it's one of those things to where if you're listening, uh, I'm I'm so grateful you've made it this far. But I mean, hear it, look at what's saying, ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to things that maybe you were blinded to because she's attractive, because she's poppy, because she's Mm -hmm. fun and the music's bouncy. Ask for the Holy Spirit's guidance and then be willing to follow after him. I mean, it's an amazing opportunity for you potentially as a parent to be like, hey, baby, Maybe I think I was wrong about this. And instead, let's strive after God. And how can we do that? And is mm-hmm. Taylor actually pointing us to God or is she pointing us away from God? And just have these awesome opportunities for spiritual growth for you and your daughter. You haven't lost an opportunity for connection. Instead, it needs to be redirected toward Christ. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Amy, for coming. Okay, friends. Wow. That was a lot. The Church of Taylor Swift. I had no idea. 16% of the American population considers themselves avid Taylor Swift fans. 4% of Gen Z have a biblical worldview. Amy said something very important. You know, whether or not Taylor Swift is technically a witch, which again, I think is an open question. The worldview that she is promoting is deeply problematic and demonically rooted. She could be causing confusion for many people what it even means to be a Christian since she has in the past called herself a Christian and yet has these stands on particular social issues. So I hope you have found this podcast helpful. I do hope that you will share it with some friends, with your Kidman pastor, your youth pastor at your church, 
please share this show widely and get in the conversation with the Lord about what he would have you do if you need to make any course corrections in your own life or have some conversations with your kids. Thank you so much for watching. God bless. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to subscribe to the Theology Mom podcast and add your review. You can also follow Krista at Theology Mom on Facebook and YouTube. Join Krista for more theology adventures on the All The Things Show, co-hosted with Monique Dusan. Thanks for listening.